This week's episode is brought to you by Difficulty. When things in life get hard, sometimes it's important to persevere and to learn and to grow, and goddammit, Cuphead is hard. Difficulty, because nothing in life worth having is ever easy. Hey everybody, welcome to Nexus at Night. I'm Atlas. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about uh, what makes decks difficult to play? Um, the yeah, the answer ahead. is a uh, the answer is um, the the better your deck is, the more likely it is harder to play. So let's look at this. You know, let's look at like w- the easiest possible uh, version of this, right? If you have a deck of all vanillas, yeah, the only thing you have to think about is when to play cards and you know what to attack, right? This is the actual simplest line you can get to right okay and let's say your deck's full of 8k vanilla so you don't even have to worry about riding that much right so you yeah. just ride grade one you can call some grade ones you can attack you always have a 16 column everywhere right and this is your deck yeah but otherwise but that's not how we play the game of vanguard at least not anymore like <laughs> things <laughs> i mean there was an 8k vanilla rush deck like in ye olden days of vanguard I mean, but, uh, we still have 10k vanillas, like, people are still running those, but, like... This deck didn't even play those, because it always wanted a 16 column, because you wanted to hit things like Sukiyomi, or, you know, Dote, or, you know, these things. Yeah. So, everyone wanted a 16 column for whatever reason, and MLB was conveniently 12k, which was really annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 MLB. But, nowadays, the game is much more complicated. There are a lot more, like, battle skills, there are a lot more, um like, delayed on-place skills. Like, having an on-place and then, like, have a skill later that turn. Like, a good example is um, Neoflame for Kagura. Yeah. So, like, you on-place, he gets this red tech skill. And then later, you know, that skill can activate and you can kill something in the same column as whatever, as he is. Yeah. Right? So, and, so on the uh, complete opposite end, the deck, I think, is, like, the hardest to play is um, Grand Blue. And if you look at Grand Blue, the deck is full of a lot of, first of all, a lot of mass calling. So you have to make sure you call the right stuff. There's a lot of decisions in that. And everything you call is going to have an effect on how you call stuff later in the turn. And especially during the battle phase. Okay. So you look at the cards like Negrobone, which are going to say, okay, well, this is going to be one CB to make an extra call in battle phase. Nightstorm, the same thing, right? And Negrobone, of course, has an extra thing where you have to boost with him. So... Uh, you you need to make sure that when you want to use his skill, you boost the attack as well. Um, and you know even cards like Negro Lazy can like mess up your strategy, right? Yeah. And so you kind of want to maximize the attack, the the number of attacks you get, while still retaining the ability to countercharge at end of turn, and or have a situation where you can use def- a defensive G guard in your opponent's turn. Okay. So, meaning there's a lot of ending board states you want to achieve. Well, maybe you want to keep a Negro Lazy laying around. Maybe you want to keep, you know, uh, maybe you don't want to use the one Mick in your graveyard yet, you know? Yeah. So. that pro- did, did that really add a lot of, uh, like, thinking to it? The, the, the limiting of Mick, where people are like, hmm, I'm only going to get to do this once. Well, I mean, you don't even know if you're going to be able to do it once, but it makes it a whole lot less consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, before, it was pretty easy to be like, 
to just have a mech in your drop at any particular moment. Yeah. Like, you're running for the card, you're milling a lot, you're guarding, you know, a fair bit. Like, you're probably going to have a mech in there somewhere. But now it's like you could just not even see the card. Makes sense. I mean, do, so. do, do, do people uh, still run, like... I remember when that Flippy G guard out came out, people started tacking in Chappie the Ghosty. So, in, um, in theory, you could search for the mech, but it's taking I've been, I've, I've been seeing a lot of Rose lists. Well, I saw a few, like, just after the restriction, and they were still pretty similar. It's just running three um, Screaming Banshee over the over the missing mix. Yeah. But I haven't seen a lot of Grand Blue past that time. I see. So the deck's definitely gotten a lot weaker. I, mean, I don't I don't know how much the restriction had an effect on that immediately, but I think the uh, just other clans getting heavily supported immediately after that restriction, and, you know, cards, uh, decks like uh, Dark Irregulars and Kagero. Mm-hmm. And just um, might have also just been a little too much. So, and the reason the reason Kagura is important is because you can mess up the GB two for Night Rose on opponent's turn by killing something, bef- not what they want to kill before, because it has to trigger on the first thing. Oh yeah. So so well also the the point of the GB two is so that um, you, you can do Negra Lily and then artificially trigger the GB two to get Skeleton Cannoneer. So if you do Kagura's stride still, you just you you fuck that over completely, like of anything. Well, not only that, but you can also get back a Negra Lazy, use his skill to call back a Mick. You can use yeah. it to call back, uh, you know, all a lot of these things. Yeah, but I mean, typically, what's going to happen is they're not going to kill that if they're if you know if that's the thing they want to kill. And even then, <laughs> like the point is to get Blaze. If if Negra if Negra Lazy is your only option to kill, then you're just gonna you're just gonna leave it there. Like, okay, call two things. I'm in Blaze. Cool. Sure, I'm gonna drop one card for Ziegenberg, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. Or uh, alternately, if you well, I, no, because then they could get the mech with Negra Lazy. Yeah. I was gonna say if you kill, if you have no field and you kill their Negra Lazy with the Stride Skill, like oh, you could get Cannon Air, but what's gonna kill? But if they have the mech, then they're fine. Um, I can't believe that limiting Mick to one really hurt the deck that much. It's not just limiting Mick to one. It's limiting Mick to one and having these sets of strong support with GBT-11 and GBT-12 come out, like, back-to-back. Oh, okay. Like, remember, these sets were, like, completely meta-changing. Yeah. So to say, like, it's it, so it wasn't just the restriction of Mick. It was also just, you know, the g- good cards they're releasing for, you know, for cards like Dark Irregulars, Kagero, moving into um, OTT in set 12. Like yeah. these cards are what, like these cards are just more powerful than you know multi attacking which people were doing before. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there still is some multi attacking in some capacity or another, like with dark regulars. Um, even and, sorry, go in ahead. The, in the same way, there's still some multi attacking with um, with uh, Gear Chronicle and um, Blasters. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like the cards are just getting a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Actually, what's funny is that like ZTB, like the the all the ZTB stuff now isn't even so much multi attack focused anymore. Um, it, it it just turned into like this kind of weird, vaguely gold paladin, vaguely OTT thing. I mean, gold paladin is like a multi attack thing, right? Yeah, but like not. Like with Night Rose and Time Leap, you were getting like what seven, eight attacks or something like that. And oh then, yeah, like Gold Paladin was five for the most part. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, uh, a lot of the clans that are now are just advantage-driven, so... Yeah. So that's where the, that, like, changed everything, basically. This, this, can, this can happen when Kagura was a bit better, when, uh... And, I and like, the new Luard stuff is some kind of stuff, but I don't... I don't I don't not I'm haven't paid too much attention to that. The new Luard like, stuff is some kind of stuff. Matt Barber, well, sorry, seventeen. <laughs> I mean, you can pick out what sound bites you like, but yeah. I'm saying like the deck is interesting. I haven't really looked into it that much, admittedly. Kind yeah. of been focusing on basically everything else, trying other stuff in that set, trying to get a handle on that. Yeah, um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, and I think like like we said a couple weeks ago, the game is probably in a decent place. It's just uh. Oof, there is, uh, there's a lot of crazy stuff right now. I mean, we have anywhere between, you know, five and seven top decks, depending who you ask, uh, you know, fi- fighting each other, which is really, really good. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, you know, games out there, like Yu-Gi-Oh! is a big one, where, like, you'll have one, maybe two top decks mm-hmm. at a time. Now we, now we have, after GBT-12, Blasters, ZTB, uh, OTT, Blade Wings... Blade Master, um, Night Rose, depending who you ask, and then uh, God, there's one I'm missing. Well, Blade Master is also a questionable post at twelve. So yeah, well, but uh, I think um, if you look at the top decks now, the yeah. ones that are easiest to play will be like Blasters, Kagero, um, Di, and OTC. Yeah. Like, OTC just has this ridiculous card that basically does all the work of the game for you. Well, yeah, because, it, it, like, it and Blasters are both very straightforward. Yeah, and... I mean, they're very early clans. Like, they were very early to get their gimmick, you know? Yeah. And it's just not a very complicated gimmick. DI is mostly just maximizing your percentages to, uh... Oh, look, here's another list playing four Sykes. But anyway. <laughs> Shut uh... up. <laughs> But uh, it's just maximizing your percentage to to keep to be able to keep soul charging on your first stride. Yeah, like you don't want to get to a point where you're like you can just no longer do that. Yeah, I mean the the reason I took Sykes out of the deck was because I put in one copy of Sharhat, and writing it means that like that shuts off Sykes completely. Most most lists I see have four librarian close to th- like three or four covetous and like four Sykes. And this guy has one demonted over us over a covetous. So well, what else? Okay. Um, despite that, the <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about before. Difficult. We're supposed but, to be talking about which decks uh, are harder to play. Okay. I think so, I think I think the decks like like Time Leap, like um, Night Rose, if it, if still playable, questionable. Yeah. Um, do get a bit harder to play in, in this way. Mostly because um, the, there's a lot of battle phase calling. There's a lot of uh, on-play skills that will happen during battle phase. You have to choose which ones you want to use. Yeah. Because you can't just use counterblast willy-nilly. Like, you're going to run out. Yeah. It's not like a deck like DI where none of your counterblasts matter, which is another reason why the deck is easier to, easy to play. It's because that resource management f- for DI is just managing your deck and not really managing your counterblast. Yeah, because you almost have infinite counterblast. Um, the thing with Blade Wings is that the the hard part comes not on the things after your first stride turn, or if it doesn't go well. Because a lo- I see a lot of people pick up the deck, and then you know things happen, like oh, I took a ass- like you know two assassins on damage, or you know I just didn't draw into soul charging pieces, and mm-hmm. not a lot of people know what to do, and. 
uh, my piece of advice to you all is it's okay to dirtle. And what I mean by that is it's okay for your first try to be tibbled and just soul charge five and just get ready for the next thing. So to be honest with you, I think you lose a high percentage of the games where you do miss Demiurge on first stride. However, you should be or demo, yeah, sorry, demagogue <laughs> on first stride. Yeah. Dude, all these demis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you are going to lose a greater percentage of games where you miss the first stride demagogue. Oh yeah, for Compa- sure. Well, like the point the point of the deck is to do is that to, thing. But well, right. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't maximize the percentage of games you win when missed. Yeah. Like you should understand what the backup plans are available to you when this miss. You shouldn't just write off a game where, like, oh, I didn't get it, this game doesn't count. That That's awful. That's going to be really awful for you in tournaments mm-hmm. because you're basically like, you you know, there could be a tournament, you know, maybe it's maybe seven rounds or something, right? Yeah. You could expect, like, three out of these rounds, you just not get the first try demagogue, right? You don't want to just auto be four and three. Yeah. You want to be able to steal, if you can steal two of these wins, like, missing demagogue, you top. Yeah. You know? Like, so you want to make sure you maximize the percentage where in it, one one of them could happen round one against a TD. Yeah. <laughs> like, obviously, you don't want to give that game up. You know, like. OK, I have a question. We talk about this a lot where uh, we're like, oh, there's a TD guy first round. Have you ever ran into somebody with a TD? Yes. Really? Oh, damn. Yes. I have never run into somebody <laughs> like that. It's like one of those things where they just show up for the mat. It's back, when they gave, it's back when they gave play mats. Yeah. There would be a lot more people show up with just TDs just to get the mat. I get it. If you just want the mat, fine. But yeah, so I, I have seen that. But it, it was more common for them to even not show up to the first round. Well, you just get the mat and leave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, free win for me, right? Or, yeah, but, you know, still like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. So, like, the you should be trying to maximize games and, and like it, it's just a it just comes from a deeper understanding of your deck and how it plays and that can only come through play testing unfortunately um it just if you, you it is possible for you to play the 10 games get demagogue off nine of them and yeah. just think about it and, and think to yourself and you know this would obviously be a very good run like yeah. and you would just think to yourself oh i don't need to worry about the games where i don't get demagogue because i'm winning 90 percent of my games but that's a really small sample size in the grand scheme of things and you should be playing more games, and when you get to a game where you, you know, you something bad happens, like you take assassins or damage, you draw too many assassins, you know, something like this, you should be thinking about um, what your best strategy to win is despite this. Yeah. And you should definitely focus on those games a lot because when you get when when it happens, it's going to happen in different ways every time. Like you're going to be screwed in some weird way, and you need to be able to think about what's important when when you're screwed. Yeah. Well, well said, and, sir. <laughs> yeah. So you you just want to make sure that you you've seen it a lot and you know how to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, with things like blasters and OTT, like both of them are very straightforward decks. Uh, just you know, draw cards and attack early and that kind of thing. Do you think there's a deeper level of understanding that can be reached there, or is it just kind I, of they play themselves? Um, I don't think. Well, the play themselves, like obviously happens when you're ahead yeah. like when you're ahead games are so much easier yeah. <laughs> because you just do the thing your deck's designed to do yeah but any any deck when you're behind is going to have slightly different ways of being able to gain back advantage or pressure the, or you know like try to turn the game around yeah and that and it's and it's up to the player to like 
feel that out. Yeah. Like, what's what's a good example of this? Like, you know, missing rides or something, right? You now you now you think about like to yourself, like how can I change my game plan where this where missing this ride is less bad for me in the long run? Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't you you try to put yourself in a position to make the game winnable. And early damage can be one of those ways. Like, you know, you put your opponent to four, your first stride is now a problem. Yeah. Like, one, even despite missing a ride. Yeah, one crit they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're playing a deck like OTT, it's not even that hard to push damage when they're at four. Mm-hmm. Well, because, uh, you know, your opponent just doesn't have access to the things that people normally have access to. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely think that... Um, Every deck does have like a deeper um, parts that you can access that just comes with time. Um, I also think that how you build your deck in general is another way of like a, an understanding, or uh, another way of understanding the the way the deck works and that kind of thing. And that's only going to come with time too. It is like you know somebody who's been playing the game for a few years. When when they like, I'm gonna build this clan for the first time, and they look at cards, and they can at least have a vague idea of how the deck is gonna work. Um, like when I built DIs for the first time, um, or like Darkness, I I could kind of tell that you know you don't need that many assassins to do things like you do with Blade Wings, but that that was just kind of eyeballing everything. Um, for Vanguard, I think a lot of decks like. You read their strides, you read the grade threes, you almost always know what the deck does. Yeah. Uh, but in recently, they've been printing a lot of rear guards with interesting effects. You know, I bring up Gear Chronicle Time Leap, I can bring up Gear Chronicle um, ZTB, and I can bring up Grand Blue. You know, where you need the rear guards to really put the pieces together. Yeah. Because if you if you think about it like this, Night Rose had a bunch of pieces, right? None of, none, none of the cards were inherently broken. Yeah. All of them were just Counterblast, get a call. Counterblast, get a call. Counterblast, get a call. And then Gash came. And, counter, and Gash was like, Counterblast 1, Soul Blast 1, Soul Blast a bunch, get, get a bunch of calls. Yeah. But if you, you know, once you understand how the pieces interact, those call, what to call with Gash is much easier. Yeah. Um, so. And then that also came with, uh, like, the understanding of how your toolbox works, where you have your soul and drop zone both as access points, which is also why you see people often in the early game calling rough seas banshees and just shoving them in there one because you get more calls off of gash and two because you can just call those back and do it again um it's also it's also important if you're missing like a night rose or you have a grade yeah. three but you know but not night rose and need a stride fodder like yeah. there, there's lots of reasons to do it mm-hmm. and it's and, and i think it became beneficial at one point if you had like your grade two ride to just keep rough seas anyway just because like whatever yeah. you didn't really need triggers to win the game <laughs> that's sad they, they, I mean, that's how good the deck was at that point. Like, yeah. you just, like, Time Leap was similar. Like, you just didn't really need triggers. Although, they were a little more relevant. Yeah. I do think that, uh, like, nowadays triggers have become a part of the deck in their own right just because of what they do, because there are now so many triggers with effects that, uh, at this point, they could all just be vanilla. Like, aside from heal traders, where if it just said power plus 5,000, no other thing, but it's also got this still, people would still play it, I think. Um, I don't know. I think part of the interest of, a lot, like, 
I think it would make decks inherently less aggressive. Yeah. Because like if a if a, you know like let's say like no nobody had um amber or heart thumb clones right like yeah. there was none of the archetype go to soul draw card plus five k right yeah people like people will freely call that card because they know they can shove into soul like yeah. on grade three but if that didn't exist people would be much less willing to call triggers because once they call it it now just doesn't leave oh no I meant like if it kept the skill but not the crit part like. Oh, no, well, I mean, no, because being a crit's really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, crits are the best trigger. Yep. Episode crits 13, are... Stance on Stand Triggers. Plotted till oh, we well, die. That, no, that episode is about Stand Triggers. I'm just saying crit triggers are really good. I know, but I mean, like, <laughs> just like that came up during the thing, too. Oh, um, probably. Yeah. To, to all you YouTubers uh, here, eventually I will get uh, around to uploading all of the old episodes. We're going to put them on a separate channel and... Uh, Part part of the thing that that's so annoying is uh, all they're all on my old computer, which is a 2011 MacBook. So this don't take a while. It's, it's your fault for buying a MacBook. I mean, I'm also I'm, I'm talking to you right now on a 2016 MacBook. So right, it's your fault for buying a MacBook. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> God. Um, I. I do think that, like, I wanted to go back to DIs again because, I don't know, I, I just can't stop at this point. Um, Calm but, down. Like, I've been fooling around with Darkness, and uh, it is incredibly inferior to Blade Wings. I'm not, yes. I'm not advocating play Darkness instead of Blade Wings if you're trying to be competitive. No. I just, I like to do things for the sake of science. And what is interesting is that Darkness has a lot more flexibility in how the deck is built, but not the the way you do things a lot of the stuff is the same call the Sharhat grade three you know ride glens and and just at, like attack it, it, it's it's very uh kind of self-serving where your your finisher is more blader mouse than it is demagogue or uh i guess blader mouse is kind of a finisher in blade wings too but less so um but there's a lot more flexibility in how you do things, so it's kind of like you know, it's about all about the journey, man. <laughs> um, and I I think darkness takes more skill to build, and blade wings takes more skill to play. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but um. Yeah. The problem. It. Mm, yeah. So deck building thing, I guess, is an important thing to build up. Yeah. Or bring up. Because I think if you know the metagame, like let's say you know the metagame, like it's your shop or something, right? Yeah. Then there's 100% of best build. Yeah. For whatever for whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. There's just a best version of it. Like there's three it, pe- there's three people who play Link Joker. All right, I'm putting a Procur in there. That kind of thing. I mean, yeah, and, and that might not even, not even be necessary for playing DI because who cares about oh, no, Link Joker? Oh, no, I was, just talking about, I was just talking about deck building in general. Oh, like, sure. That, that's, like, that's like a prime example. Sometimes it's not even a problem anyway. Like, you're yeah. just like, oh, maybe I just don't care about Link's Joker at all. Yeah. You know, like, let's say you're playing a Cardro or something, right? Like, you know, you know, people, like, there's like three guys who play a Messiah TDs plus a bit because, you know, you're locals. Yeah. <laughs> and people are wanting support. There's like a guy that plays crappy deleters. You know, there's mm-hmm. like a bunch of people who play Gear Chronicle because Gear Chronicle is good, right? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, well, the people who are playing with Messiah is just like really whatever anyway, so I can probably just get wins just by being Kagero. Mm-hmm. And then 
So you just have to worry about Gear Chronicle. You're like, I'm not going to worry about something that's already good just on clan basis. Yeah. Right. You you want to make sure that you have the best options for, uh, for the other for the for the decks that you're more concerned about. Mm-hmm. And you you can't prepare for everything. Like there are a lot of clans in this game. People still play clans that like aren't very good because clan loyalty is very strong. Great nature and sad. Right. Right. So somebody that still play great nature. But yeah. thanks, Dick Nuts. Moving on. <laughs> but uh, but uh. So you should definitely worry about the decks that are most popular. In the United States, Link Joker is overly popular, especially in places like Southern California. Well, I think I, I think it's just like that kind of like control, you know, imperialist feeling that a lot of Americans have. Like this shit's mine now, you know. Manifest destiny. <laughs> Please <laughs> study history. Moving on. Um, but but yeah but yeah um so. I, I guess one could can do do more to think about that, but at the end, of, but if you don't know the meta, you should do your best to understand what people in that region typically play. Like if every like if you look at the last regional, right, mm-hmm. and everyone was playing the top deck at the time, it's very likely everyone's going to like you know let's say they're like you know fifty percent of people are playing some tier one deck. Yeah. Then you know about half the meta is going to be ex- the expected meta. You know, going to be expected people playing the top decks uh-huh. because people who play the top decks before are likely still playing the top decks now. They probably just sold whatever the old top deck was and are playing the new one. Yeah, and and it's very easy to do that in in places that are very population dense, like Southern California. Yeah. So I guess it's not the same for everybody. You know, if you go to a regional in like Maryland, no real places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Atlanta or something yeah. like where maybe less people play Vanguard uh, mm-hmm. then it might be a little bit uh, people might be on weirder decks mm-hmm. is my point so yeah. it's a little bit harder but in general in a best of one I would just make my deck most consistent for whatever my deck's supposed to be doing and I wouldn't really play that many situational cards like Booker because I don't care because I don't care I mean, I think Link Joker matchups are still winnable even without Poker for most people, and it's just not even a big deal. Like, most of the... Like, if you're playing Gramble, you don't have to worry about it at all. And then if you're playing, you know, a top deck, you just... You're playing a top deck, you probably just win anyway. <laughs> Restanding Vanguard is very good against Link Joker, as it turns out. Why? Because you can just do whatever it is you want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the deck is over... over like, their G-guards are shit. So the deck is overly reliant on PGs. Yeah. So it can't just waste them on whatever. Oh yeah. So if you like run them out of uh, thing, I want. Okay, I, I have a question. Why is rushing so good? Because typically, like every time you see like on the Facebook groups, on the subreddit or whatever, it's always how do I beat this thing? And then all of the top comments are rush it. And well, it's very much the right answer, but I'm wondering why. It's 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 good against decks that are slower. Mm-hmm. Or decks that, or decks that have things that prevent you from doing stuff. Like rushing is good against Messiah because the deck is very reliant on freeze ray to try and stop mid game aggression. Uh-huh. Meaning, if you get under freeze ray by dealing enough damage, the freeze ray ride doesn't do anything. Yeah. So by by you know by dealing a lot of damage to them early, you basically make one of their cards useless. Mm-hmm. Because like freeze ray is really bad when you're at five damage. Like it does actual nothing. Yep. 
You're like, I'm on this 10k grade 3, and I still have to guard everything. Yeah. And it's all, and it can also be good against decks where, like, they, the decks that just don't play that well from behind, like... Tachikaze. That, that's, a, that's a very good one. And so yeah. Tachikaze is like, well, I'm just not going to guard and rush back and yeah. hope I'm favorable on triggers. Yeah. And so you basically turn, like, what might be an unfavorable matchup in a long game into a coin flip. Yeah. By uh, by just being aggressive early, mm-hmm. which is um, can, which can be an improvement. What a coin flip versus like a thirty percent chance or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, like um, I remember one time at a tournament, you you were playing a ancient dragon Gaia, and you, you you were up against like this is probably my favorite example, but like you, you were up against Link Joker, and you were just like fuck it, so you started throwing stuff against the wall. And then uh, you got the win just because, what, you got him to five before first stride even? or uh, Before he rode grade three. There you go. So, <laughs> you know, like, that that's another, like, I don't get why people are so afraid of kind of dropping their hand and rush, rushing people. Because... Uh, they're, they're afraid of the loss of cards. Like, so what it, what it could allow your opponent to do is deny UCB and still kill stuff by attacking rear guards. Yeah. Which is can be bad for some decks in the long in, in the long in a longer game. Like if the if you do fail to kill them somehow after that, uh-huh. you are in a very bad position. Yeah, I that's one of my favorite things to do as a person is bully rear guards. That's like my thing. Um, as, as any anybody on Nexus Core, Matt, you can probably attest to this. Will tell you I love to bully rear guards, and even it's, even when it's a bad idea to do so, I know, but it's fun. No. I, <laughs> Honestly, like, a lot of the times, like, one one of my policies is if it's my last attack of the turn and I'm not going to kill them with that and they're at four, I don't try and put them to five. What I will instead do is try and kill off a rear guard. Because, I mean, that's fair, but I'm saying, like, when they're yeah. at five, it's just yeah. almost always better to attack yeah. their vanguard. I mean, I've gotten better about that, but uh, yeah. just the the, like, giving them an extra damage is almost never a good thing if it's not going to kill them that turn. Mm. Um, it, it, assuming it's your last attack. If, if it's like on hit, I'd call it another thing. Yeah, go for it. But, um, you know, or like another example is uh, I was playing against uh, ZTB with uh, with Genesis, with uh, Ishtar.deck, and I never, none of my rear guards got bullied, ever. And I got the win on first stride because I didn't have to worry about protecting my rear guards. I could mm-hmm. just take damage as needed. And then, like, people forget the, that killing rear guards is a good thing in general. Well, like, again, like, the some decks have, like, it could have been correct for your opponent to just, you know, like, your opponent could have just started calling cards, drawing cards, and attacking rear guards and just out, out advantaging you yeah. when you have, like, no CB to work with. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess you don't need CB to do stuff that much in that deck. Uh, you, ne- you need it for Amaruta's stride still, and even, even then, that's not that needed. So, um, mo- most, yeah. most of it comes from, like, Ninial if you use it and that kind of thing. But even then, Genesis doesn't have, like, that great advantage, so. Yeah. I mean, like, it's supposed to be aggressive. We, like, you're, they want you to call things to do revelations so that you can like thin your deck and then when you go into the Ishtar turn you got a big fat soul and then you can restand everything. So one thing about rushing with Tachikaze. Yeah. And I guess I should bring this up now before we leave this area. Yeah. Is that uh, you have triggers, they can attack, you should use them to attack. Yeah. 
Like, there's a reason I played the the Shove and Soul draw, draw Trigger when available. Well, not deck I played Ancient Dragon, so I just played the AD draw. Yeah. But but what's great about the AD draw is you can retire it to um, a Dino Crowd to make space if needed. Yeah. Like, if you if you know that you're not going to need the next turn, you can just always pull it to back row, do the same thing. Yeah. So, like, it's pretty easy to fix your field in Ancient Dragon, in, like, in, in Tachikaze. Yeah. But when you're playing other decks, you also want to think about, like, if I call a trigger... Uh, what can I do with this trigger later? Yeah. So, important stuff. Well, I mean, like, that's why, like, DI calling Hysteric Charlie is, like, completely fine. Yeah. Well, because it's, uh, it's low risk. Either they kill it and then you save yourself some guard, or you get a soul charge off of it. Cool. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, let's see. I. <sighs> Fuck. I don't really know where else to go from here. I guess I sh we should bring up, like, um, bad decks. Yeah. So a very common, like, defense of bad decks is that they're just hard to play. And that's 14 true. attacks with Pale Moon, bro. No. Stop. Stop. <laughs> I never want to talk. Whoever this guy is, like, that guy is something special. So, I can't tell you how I do it. It's my competitive deck. Anyway. So <laughs> a common defense for bad decks is that um, they're bad, like... That they're not bad, they're just hard to play. I'm not fat, I'm big boned. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and like, so I, when I picked up Murakumo, a bunch of people were like, oh, it's so hard to play. And I'm, and I'm sitting there playing, I'm like, it's not hard to play. Like, there's not that much you can even do. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even have that many decisions. A lot of it's just on your opponent to decide whether or not they want you to have the skill or not. Yeah. Right? And at the end of the day, it's just mitigating how much the deck tries to screw you. It's not hard to play. It's basically like, well, I need to have a plan if I get screwed in this way or this way, or I need to make, I need to prevent this from being a problem in the future. Like, it's not, e and, and even then, the deck's still not good. Like, even when you don't get screwed, the deck is still not good. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is this is how bad decks work. Like, you are you were bad against every top deck, right? Murakumo, for yeah. example, every single top deck it is bad against. Mm -hmm. It has bad G guards. The best G-Guard being a Counterblast 1 Sad. and G-Flip. I was going to say, and, and it G-Flips too, yeah. Yeah, so, and thus you need GB1 already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other two G-Guards are actively bad. Shishizuki is bad, but situationally good. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, situationally good does not mean not bad, for the record. What, like it's, what, what uh, classifies situationally good for you? Um, so, it's a Vanguard on Vanguard G-Guard. Oh. So it's automatically already situational. Mm -hmm. And it's it's good when you can pull up um, a 10k shield to pull out another 10k shield and be a solid 35k guard. Yeah. Or, sorry, 40k guard. Um, because it gives the thing, first thing 5k. So it's great when it can be a 40k guard. And bad every other time. Yep. So, 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 what, makes it, so what makes a bad deck bad to reveal? <laughs> Alright, so... A bad deck is bad when it has bad matchups against the expected mana game. Yeah. So, and I mean across the board. Like, and Mur so Murakumo is a great example because the deck is just terrible and people apparently don't think it's terrible, but we're going to talk about it anyway. It's bad against, it's, it's, it's bad against Kagero because they can basically turn off the only advantage engine the deck has in Chibaraku Buster. Yeah. So it's automatically bad against Kagero. Mm -hmm. Um, it's bad against, um, Night Rose and Gears for the same reason. Again, one of your 
main cards is just immediately doomed. Yeah. It's bad against Wiseman because you don't have strong urge, you don't have strong ways to kill by second stride. Oh, that was the seventh one I was thinking of. Okay, sorry. Continue. It's bad against Neonectar for the same reason. Yeah. Like, and I can you keep listing the decks that like it's this like Murkumo just doesn't have an efficient efficient way to kill the to get the opponent to five damage and ten of them in an efficient fashion. Yeah. And so you end up just being too slow and not even good enough when you aren't mm-hmm. like and the fact that your only advantage engine is interact with the bull unlike um the royal paladin one like at this point murakumo is kind of like bad royal paladin and as a great magic player once said you should never play a bad quote something else end quote. a bad something oh yeah wait who said like, that um, it, it, who knows? It's attributed to Mike Flores because uh-huh. whatever. But it, it, who knows who, who actually said it? it? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, the the point is like, wh- why play Gold Paladin when you can play ZTB? Yeah. Gold Paladin is bad ZTB. Mm-hmm. Like you can just play the good deck. You should always do that. Yeah. And the aesthetic of the clan doesn't make up for any amount of strength the clan has. Yeah. And. Even if the deck is decidedly more difficult to play, like I do think ZTB is harder than Golds. Yeah. Um, you should like it takes it should you like if you do if you test diligently, so you know a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. Within a week, you should have that deck very learned. Mm-hmm. So if you have you know five days before an event, you should be able to learn a new deck in that amount of time, assuming you can put the deck together. Yeah. Like I wouldn't even like if if like let's say I own Gold Paladin and I just bought ZTB right and I had it five days before a tournament I would just slam ZTB for five days and play in the tournament yeah and I think that the gap between ZTB and Golds is large enough that even if it were two days before I would do the same and probably even the day before like that's how much better I think it is makes sense but like for decks that are closer like let's say you know you had um, Night Rose and you had just picked up. And Nairo, and let's say you've already played Nairo, so you're very familiar with Nairo's, right? Yeah. And there's, a, there's a, that, that's worth a lot. You know, that's, that's worth a lot of information. And you just picked up something like, let, let's say set 12 hit, and you just picked up OTT, right? Yeah. And OTT is pretty straightforward. You're like, oh, well, you know, if I had like two days, I, w- I, I would play OTT. But uh, let's say you just picked up the day before the event, maybe you still play Nairo's, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I could, that's more defensible because the decks are much closer in power level than... And I, and I still think OTT is much better. Than, but I think the close... Than, than Night Rose? Yes, than Night Rose. Okay. Post, post set 12. Yes. But I but I think the gap is much smaller than the gap between like ZTB and Golds. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes, understandable. So even if a deck is hard to play, you should you can just put in the effort to learn. Like it, it, it's None of the decks in Vanguard are super difficult. And if hopefully your testing partners uh, will also think about what the correct, line, correct lines are to help you learn faster instead of uh just being like oh i beat you 10 times yeah well another thing is like something that not a lot of people do i've noticed and maybe it's just because they're not crazy like me but uh learning other clans uh, mm-hmm. like if i have played in some capacity or another every single clan in this game except for nubatama i've built every clan at some point uh, and then I just never did Nubatama because I didn't want to, and then I just borrowed my friend's domination, so close enough. But uh, 
it, it it's definitely a way also not only to learn what to do against that deck like if you uh you know pick up a deck for a while and then you go huh this one this grade two is super important and then when you're playing against that deck in the future you know i should kill that like for example let, let's say you know nothing about gray nature and then you pick it up for a week when you go back to your deck you're like huh Crayon Tiger needs to die now, and not a lot of people know that. Um, it, it, it's definitely it's kind of the equivalent of, uh, you know how like someone will have a kid, and then when they have their next kid, it takes considerably less amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's because the first kid kind of greased the wheels on the way out. So by learning other decks, it allows you to learn not only your own deck but also what to do against other decks faster and faster and faster over time it also lets you know what annoys that deck yeah like <laughs> it, this this is really small but you, when you play it when you play a match like you let's say you have a matchup right like mm-hmm. deck a versus deck b and you you main deck a so you play deck a a lot right you play against a guy who mains deck b so you guys play a lot of games it's pretty easy to be like hey want to switch your decks yeah and see how what it looks like from the other side yeah because then you're thinking about, like, you know what your deck does, right? So you know exactly, like, none of the cards they play will ever surprise you. But now you get to, like, rebuild what your opponent has done to you and, underst- and understand their deck at a different level. And understand, you know, what kind of situation, what, what, what the situations look like from both sides. And this can be very valuable in close games. Yeah. And picking out what cards your opponent might have in their hand or, you know, what, what your opponent might be planning, what they might be setting up. Yeah. And th- and then also having that invariable moment of God damn it they're doing it wrong. <laughs> did you did you know that Card Fight Vanguard is a two player game? Really, I had no idea. You know you're not just goldfishing. Really? Uh, who knew? I don't know, man. It's just not not something that might have occurred to me. <laughs> right. What next? What next? What? But yeah, so don't shy away from that stuff. Hopefully, hopefully your friends will let, will allow that. Uh, if they don't, then yeah. play with other people. <laughs> I mean, if you live in a small town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, and those are your only friends, then you're kind of SOL. But rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to ask about at least in the context of OTT because I noticed that not only are Battle Sisters topping, but also uh, Sukuyomi. And I mentioned this last, or I mentioned this what last week. Yes. Wait, you answered my like why they're both doing well. Oh no, I said I I said I don't know which one's better, and that they're both that I've seen both of them talking. Oh. Um, well, the, the the main reason is Stillwater. Like that's an oh, yeah. e- that's that Ichikashima is very good. Yes. Yeah, that is an easily answerable question. What I was more curious about is that it seems like they would have two very different play styles. Um, where battle I sisters mean... are just kind of like fuck it. And then Sukiyomi is a lot more analytical, I guess you could say. Sukiyomi, okay, so the Sukiyomi, Sukiyomi memorization patterns mm-hmm. are are not new. They're in fact the exact opposite of new. Yeah, they're one, among the oldest things in this game. Yeah, and the trick is you don't even memorize every card. You memorize, you put down basically markers, mm-hmm. and you just remember the stacks. Like you remember what's important. You just don't remember filler. <laughs> what so like what matter? What matters and what doesn't? Or 
yeah, like, you know, obviously triggers matter, right? But it doesn't matter which trigger it is. Like, mm-hmm. you just say crit, crit, crit. You're like, okay. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you see a stack, you know, you find, maybe you find Tsukiyomi, you have card, card, crit, crit. You're like, I'm going to put the crits at the top. Yeah. So if the second stack appears and, you know, or I'm sorry, I'm going to put the crits at the bottom. And I'm going to note the card, the you know, the second to top card, that you're going to lead into those crits. Yeah. Because I care about that. And maybe if they're grade one special or maybe, you know, if it's like, Maybe you remember the grade one and grade two. Maybe it's like PG something, right? Yeah. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna have uh, once once I find this PG at this you know this area, then I know the next card is gonna be this card, and what and that after that card, I'm gonna have three crits in a row. Mm-hmm. And then you can psychic bird to fix you know your, your placement if you when you get down there. Yeah. So it's it's a very old memorization strategy. Like you don't need to remember which crits they are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I mentioned this last week, but I just think of it like a hall of paintings. But you know, oh, maybe I don't know. I I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with that uh analogy. Oh well, I'm a visual learner, so. Oh okay. That's how it goes. I learn whatever way I need to. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, but I yeah. don't know either. Um, I, I remember I memorize things by shapes a lot, but not like not like uniquely defined shapes. Like I know like the form of stuff, and I can just fill in the pieces. Makes sense. So that so these so that it makes sense. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's like um, what's what's a good what's a good example? Like something stupid like long division of polynomials, right? Yeah. So I, I can't I don't do like synthetic division like they teach people because it's not useful in every case. So I find it useless. Mm-hmm. You can you can assume you can gather from that what you will. So I just do it by hand, right? And I just remember it by the basically the form of division. Like basically the the shape of division is the same shape for division of polynomials. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So you just so I just do I just remember that it looks like that and I do it. <laughs> I I can't I don't know how to explain it well at the current moment, but um, let's see. Is is there anything else really to go over? Because like it seems like to review the thing. What makes th- like decks difficult is uh, like multiple decision trees, uh, building and then. Well, it's about having large decision trees, right? Yeah. So, like, Night Rose has a lot of different... Like, you have so many options. It's not calling from hand, even, right? It's calling from drop, which can... Buy in, which will, by and large, have more cards than in your hand. Yeah. Especially in a deck like Grand Blue. And so you have a lot of decisions to make just on what you call. You have a lot of decisions to make what you call during the battle phase and what you leave at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure... And all of them lead to, like, ending board states, right? Yeah. So you want to think about before you even call for with gash what your ending state might want to look like. Yeah. And have be able and be able to change based on triggers. Which is one thing that um Grand Blue has that other clans don't is the ability to like change their game plan when an opponent gets damage triggers mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, they got two damage triggers off this crit rear guard. I guess I'm just going to call a bunch of counter charging stuff." Yeah. And like not or like kill a rear guard and like not worry about pushing damage. Yeah. Because your opponent's 21k. <laughs> and I think that's just very very unique uh unique for for that clan in particular mm-hmm. which which does make it i think which is why i think it's one of the hardest decks to play fair and also also why i think it, it took a while to catch on here and also why it faded out of popularity so fast 
What, you're saying America's bad at Vanguard? Yes, I'm saying All America right. is bad at Vanguard. I'm saying I'm bad at Vanguard. I'm fucking terrible at this game. Oh, that's good. Hard game. Yeah. Or, you know. Or something. I don't know. Something, something. <laughs> <sighs> um, so, I noticed that, like, like to kind of end here, I noticed that Bush, like lately, Bushiroad's uh, you know recent support of so, like quote unquote bad clans, those being like OTT and you know the as of this morning revealed Mega Colony card and a bunch of other stuff. Where like it looks like they're actually fixing things. Um, Mega Colony card is okay, yeah, yeah, looks pretty good. That grade three, it's like the first. Um, so it's this card is very close to making ob terrain. It's not relevant, which is very funny to me. I know. Thank fucking God. Cause that thing was a pain in the ass to find. <laughs> if you're a major colony player, it's like what? $30. Well, so if they make any stride, that's like, you know, like flip itself. Yeah. Same effect as, um, the, what is her name? Or, Gridora. Yeah. Like anything, like anything is like, all right, flip itself, uh, Gridora column. Yeah. Ob is now like a worse version of just striding this on yeah, Gridora. Exactly. Which is so funny. Yeah. Good. And and you don't have to discard a card because yep. that's like the worst part of stupid Optorandus. You have to mm. discard a card for no reason. Yeah. So but yeah, no, uh, Gridor is actually a decent Mega Colony card. I'm hesitant to say good because it's Mega Colony. I mean, and, uh, Mega, Mega Colony will forever be awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I it remains to be seen. Like, OTT was literally the bottom and now it's at the top. So, you know. Well, who knows? Okay. So here's the problem, right? OTT's gimmick yeah. of rejecting zeros and guard restricting it's like tom is a better rear guard than any rear guard in mega colony yeah okay true <laughs> and tom is not even played <laughs> like this is the the gimmicks of these clans are not even close to the same damn so I've th- been... that's the reason why i think the ott it was easier to get a huge bump than something like mega colony i've been barbered <laughs> look it happens yeah it happens to the best of us what, 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 just, like, completely explanations to death? <laughs> but uh, I, I do think Gridora is a strong card, mm-hmm. and but it needs a lot of help. This is but the start of what Mega Colony needs. Yeah. They need rear guards that have impacts on the game. They need a new mechanic. Like So Dark Device can still work with this, yeah. and what concerns me about Gridora right now is decks that uh, aggressive decks will Gridora won't do much against. Mm-hmm. Because they'll already have rear guards there. Yeah. Which is the similar problem with Obtranus. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hopefully they hopefully they print rear guards that, like, just benefit off of these kinds of effects mm-hmm. rather than needing them, like, and get power and, you know, give, give advantage and not worry about stupid resting shit. Yeah. Like, who cares? I, I still think that uh, it would be cool if Mega Colony with Dark Device could steal opponents' steals, but... That sounds annoying. Eh. So, the second skill makes an opponent turn a, turn a thing face down, right? Which I, I, I have been, like, vaguely speculating at for, like, three years now. I was like, wouldn't it be okay. crazy if that could happen? And then I remember James going, that's too broken. Here we are. Okay, to be fair, yeah. there has never been a point in this game where we've really... Inter- like, except... Gavrel reverse. No, sorry, not Gavrel. What is that stupid break ride for Angel Feather? Um, Ramiel. Ramiel reverse was like one of the few cards that could interact with your opponent's damage zone. Uh. <laughs> and it and it was like and they never did it again. Yeah. 
until now. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I was like, I don't even know if they want to do this. I don't know if they want to interact with their opponent's resources that much. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll see if they continue along this. I hope, you know, maybe this isn't just a one-time thing. Yeah. But we'll, but we'll see as it goes in the future. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so back, back to my original point. I'm saying that, uh, like, Bushrod has, you know, now that they've started, uh, like... I guess atoning for their mistakes, you could say. Um, it, I think the phrase you're looking for is learned how to finally design cards. Yeah, pretty much. They're they're doing such a good job, and I'm just I'm so scared for these the Zeta rares, so much. Like Zeroth rares, whatever. <laughs> Zazabel, I don't know. Anyway, so the uh, what stare or like what is interesting is it seems like either they have new ways of guard restricting. Adding crit or quad drive or now a restander. So like DI's got a restander. You know OTT got a crazy ass guard restrict. Uh, you know Luard who didn't really need it much, but he, you know he got crit and quad drive. Narcom got crit and quad drive. Um, do you think this is like a good direction or? I mean, if we if we look at what we have recently, it's been working. Yeah. So my initial instinct is yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still a bit of worry for the for further in the future, mm-hmm. just based on how the game is set up. I don't know if ZRs are a good direction as we haven't seen them yet. Uh, yeah. My instinct, my instinct on ZRs specifically is no. Uh, I think they're just going to be very expensive for almost no reason. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, test often, play other decks, do your homework. A deck, just because a deck is bad doesn't mean it's hard to play. Yeah. Sometimes it's just bad. But 14 could, attacks. I mean, so I mentioned that games are harder when you're behind, mm-hmm. which is why bad decks feel harder to play. Yeah. Because you don't get, like, free wins. What a shame. But... What do you mean? You said, I mentioned that, and then that's usually followed with but. Or is that just part of the, like, last... Oh, no, bit? I just wanted to oh. to iterate oh. that, you know, uh, just because your deck is, like... So, that's why bad decks feel like they're harder to play, is because you're in harder games a higher percentage of the time. Yeah. Where that might not actually be the case. Mm-hmm. Like... You should look at how many decisions you have to make. You should look at uh, how impactful those decisions are. Like sometimes, you know, if your deck's full of vanillas, like you have decisions of which vanilla to call, but it doesn't actually matter, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and if your, you know, if your game plan is I'm going to check crits and kill my opponent, you should probably think that your deck is not special. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's uh, unless it's my deck can manipulate so that I can more consistently check crits. No. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, uh, you know, you, you, you can find us on on Twitter, at Nexus at Night. You can find me at Atlas Novak. You can find me at Wiggums, two Gs, two Zs. At Twitter, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube here, because we started doing that, thanks for watching. Uh, to all our listens, listeners out there, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy our new logo. Rate, comment, subscribe. 
and we'll see you next time. I want to take the time to thank anybody who found this podcast. Uh, I also recommend sharing it with your friends, family, anybody who likes Vanguard. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud or on your podcast app, that little purple thing that goes in the folder that, of the stuff you can't delete, like stocks. Who uses stocks? Anyway, you can also tweet me, Atlas Novak, so at A-T-L-A-S-N-O-V-A-C-K. You can also tweet at Nexus at Night, N-E-X-U-S-A-T-N-I-G-H-T. Or you can tweet the Nexus Core YouTube channel, so at N-E-X-U-S-C-O-R-P-S. Be sure to check out that YouTube channel. Uh, we have, you know, card fights and deck profiles and all that good stuff. <laughs>